Yeah, she's really gonna come in guns blazing. Welcome to the Flick Lab. I'm Corey. My co-host is Henrik. Even though the year is almost done, we are not completely out of the water yet. Are we almost done? Well, well we better be, seeing how it's... The holiday season is <laughs> supposed to start any day now, Corey. I thought you were almost threatening with the end of this product, but... Haha. <laughs> you can't live without me and this product. <laughs> no, but um, most importantly, our guests are... Uh, Samantha Joya, am I getting that correct? Yeah, you got it. You nailed it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Perfect. The director of the film, and of course, uh, Mathilde Silva, the actor and writer and producer Hello. of the film. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a bit of a journey. We've been planning <laughs> for this episode for yeah. quite a while and happy to finally get it going. So maybe we should start with kind of like introductions of yourself and the film. Maybe we'll start with Mathilde. So, hello. I'm originally from Portugal. I was born in Lisbon, but, you know, traveled a lot because of my dad's job. And I'm an actress primarily, but I'm also a producer and writer. In fact, uh, Sam and I wrote, produced. We both went to NYU, but Sam went to film. Sorry, Sam, I'm stealing a little bit of your introduction. I'll think of something else to say. You're fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Sam and I actually met. I mean, we didn't meet through NYU. <laughs> we met like on a text. I Somebody recommended yes. Sam to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was about to graduate and Sam had just graduated. And it was it was a very great coincidence that we were both, you know, both spoke Portuguese. Yeah, Sam, you can introduce yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, then I guess I will. Um, hi, I'm uh, I'm Sam. I am a recent graduate of New York University. Uh, so my family is originally from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, but I was born in Miami, Florida. Um, and then after that, we lived in Spain for a short while, um, just how I learned Spanish and also held on to Portuguese from my childhood. And then I, I grew up here in the States and went to college at NYU. I believe I we met Matilde through actually a crew member that wound up being on our set, which is kind of nice. It all worked out that way. Um, I'd been, yeah. I'd always really, <laughs> so I'd always really loved film initially. I had wanted to be an actor myself, but the more time I spent on set, I realized that what I really loved was working with actors to find characters. So I had been uh, meaning to get more into directing, and then when Matilde reached out to me and she sent me this beautiful pitch deck and her artistic statement, where she spoke of also like having lived in Spain and you know her family speaking Portuguese and you know moving around a lot as a child and not really feeling like she fit in when she got to the new place, it was just I was just seeing so much that I personally connected to. So immediately to me, it just felt like the perfect fit. Nice, nice, and congrats yeah. for the graduation as well. Thank you. <laughs> So uh, the film that we're talking about is Healing Plan. Mm. And yeah, you already gave a little bit about your 
background. Henry Kissier had already spinning with these different countries and cities and <laughs> universities. <laughs> I'm sorry, we should have it's... we should have sent you like a map with like all the places that have been kind of like checked off. <laughs> Just like here, yeah, here, here. Yeah, that's here. why I didn't even say like ugh, the amount of countries. I don't want to well, start. Well, because you lived in Italy too, right? Like there, you've lived yeah. in so many. Matilde, I think one of the reasons that she's such a great artist is she has had such a unique upbringing. She's been exposed to so many different places and she has an awareness of many different languages. Um, she's just had so many wonderful experiences and I think that makes her such a well-rounded actor. Oh, thank you. Of course. You too. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> there was Portugal and Spain and Italy and the US for Mathilde. Was there any other ones kind of worth mentioning here? For I mean, for me, Brazil has always been a, I mean, it's because where my family's from. I'm the first generation of um, Americans for my family. Like I, my brother and I were both born here, but pretty much everyone else hmm. is still based in Brazil. So we spent a lot of time with them, um, you know, growing up and we were able to visit less frequently after the pandemic. Um, my hmm. grandmother, unfortunately, has been uh, struggling with Alzheimer's for the, the past couple of oh. years which has made me really, really miss them and spending time with them. So this project um, came at a really good place where I was looking to like connect with my my roots. And I just really felt like I resonated with a lot of what Matilde was saying about um, not really feeling like home is where you currently physically are, if that makes sense. Like when I was younger, I just remember like wishing more than anything that I could be like closer to my family. Right. My grandmother also has been struggling with Alzheimer's. So Oh, I'm yeah. so sorry to hear that. Yeah. So The Healing Plan, it's a short film. In what way has it currently come out? And is there any plans to, to widen the scope? And uh, I believe it's doing the rounds uh, in the festivals right now. Indeed. Yeah, so we're current, we finished it in, I'd say, Sam, I think it was like end of summer, so August, I'd say. Yeah. And that's when we started submitting to festivals. Um, and a lot of these festivals, you know, we only really hear back next year, which is, it's yeah. a very long process. It's kind of frustrating. It's like, we want all the answers already and we want to know where we're going to premiere. So the movie actually hasn't premiered. Uh, we did a little private secret screening, um, <laughs> with our friends and family, but, oh, we actually, we didn't get to do that. We didn't. I showed it to my family, but we oh, were supposed to have this private screening. Mm. We'll yeah, when, when you're I'm back, back in New York, New York. That would yeah, be, yeah, I, I feel like people I was, would really in my head. This totally happened, and it didn't. Happen. <laughs> you're like, yeah, no way. You're uh, all there. You're never this. Yeah, crazy. no, I think we should, we should totally do that. It's um, you know, it's kind of crazy. I feel like at this level, a lot of people don't get to see the stuff that they work on. Like so many of my yeah. actor friends have been in like a bajillion different things that they never had access to. Like after it was like released yeah, that was or they me. just never heard that from again. <laughs> oh yeah. You were telling me about that. You were like, you were like, I want a reel, but no one sends back there. That happened to me when I was um, set yeah. designing before, before I started directing, like I would never just see any of my work, but I, I feel like, you know, with this, with this film, we really did connect like a lot to the cast and crew. A lot of them are people that I'm, I'm still working with to this day. And that I know like Matilda and I are both still in touch with. And I, I think we all, everyone who's seen the film has been really happy with it and really proud of their work, which, which makes me really happy that we were able to give them that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right now we're just really waiting on festivals. Mm -hmm. So we'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> Perfect. So the healing plan, what is the healing plan about? Do you want to give us like a quick synopsis? 
Yeah, um, so Healing Plan is really about this girl who just moved to the U.S. She's a Portuguese girl, just like me. And, you know, she has to leave her home country. Um, The story doesn't really tell the reason. We came up with many different reasons, but felt like it wasn't really necessary to explore that part because it's a short film, so that will be for the feature film. (laughs) But so she goes into this completely new country and she starts experiencing these nightmares. Um, and she's just not really doing well mentally. She's very, like, she's really struggling with her mental health. And so her mom starts getting concerned and she takes her to this, uh, this, uh, celebrity psychologist, psychologist. <laughs> oh my God, words. And so, you know, we really wanted to explore this concept of a quick fix with social media and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, these celebrity psychologists. We explore Luna's, the protagonist, uh, Luna's journey in, in a way, getting better healing, you know, her healing plan. And so we, we really get to see some of these nightmares that she experiences, which are really some real experiences that she went through as she's moving from one country to the next. I don't want to, you know, give spoilers, <laughs> but at the end of the film, we kind of get to understand what kind of fix the doctor was going for. <laughs> And, um, yeah, it's really about exploring mental health and exploring what finding Luna's journey to finding her cultural identity is. Right. And, uh, yeah, there's quite a lot of aspects to talk about the film. The whole uh, social media aspect is, is there. How important part was the social media playing in it when you started developing the idea? Um, honestly when I initially wrote it, because Sam and I co-wrote it afterwards, um, when I initially wrote it, there wasn't much of the social media. I think it was almost like a completely true story of what I had experienced. But then I think I, I really wanted to explore, okay, when I went through this, there was absolutely no social media. Like, I kind of experienced it on my own and mental health was not talked about at all, like whatsoever. And so I really wanted, well, Sam and I really wanted to explore, okay, now that this story, if it happened nowadays where, you know, mental health is kind of a big deal, but it's a big deal where people talk about it a lot and it's on social media all the time. But people feel like, okay, if I watch a bunch of reels about, you know, healing and it'll all be better, which, you know, it can help. But like, I think we really wanted to explore if there even is a right way of approaching mental health. And if there is, then what would that look like? And, you know, it's just exploring really like what I didn't experience, (laughs) to be honest, Mm -hmm. which like what was missing from my real story so I'd say once Sam and I started writing it, I mean, Sam, you can talk about it as well, but I think from the start, it was already in it, right? Yeah, no, for, for <laughs> sure. I, th- I, think, I think that was like one of the th- first things we talked about. And like, I see so many, first of all, I spent an ungodly amount of time on TikTok. Like, <laughs> I, it's, it, it's getting to be real bad, guys. But 
Um, I see so many, uh, I guess TikTok knows that I struggle with mental health. Can't figure out how they determine that. But they keep sending me like therapy reels where it's like this therapist just giving like, which I'm sure again, like Matilda said, I'm sure it is helpful for some people, but it's no substitute for real like long-term mental health that's like specifically tailored to you and what you're going through and then I think once we started with the rewrite and these elements were always in the script but once we started with um with the rewrite and so I should clarify the first script that Mathilde sent me was absolutely beautiful but it became clear that this was something that we were going to have a hard time because of the amount of pages and locations shooting over the course of the weekend and the biggest thing that you know we learned in like low budget or short filmmaking is to try to work with like the amount of money and the people and the time that you have so we knew we had a weekend we knew we had a certain amount of funds we could count on so we together um (laughs) I remember we spent like several days just like in my apartment just like figuring out how we could capture the same the same sentiments with the resources that we had so we tapered down on locations we tapered down on the page count we ended up with something that I think we're both pretty proud of and with that version we found that we were focusing uh still with the social media and the idea of a quick fix but also the pressures of assimilation for immigrants in the U.S. I found that for me my experience growing up I was very frequently encouraged not to speak Portuguese outside of the house as I've been in like more diverse circles and through, through NYU, which is like a great school, so many international students, I've been learning, relearning rather, to celebrate the fact that my parents did come from a different place, but growing up in a small like upstate New York community, um, which is where I went to high school and middle school, it really wasn't encouraged to know more than one language and was honestly looked down upon. More often than not, it was something that othered you. Um, and it was something that my, my parents would often be picked at for, for having accents. So it was just something that I was always very hyper aware of. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people who immigrate here have that experience. So that's something we wanted to touch on when we wrote this. Um, it was funny. We actually, um, Matilde's character is being bullied by several American students. And for that scene, it was like a little inside joke <laughs> where um, for that scene, the American bullies were all played by, uh, well, for the most part, there was one who was actually American, but they were mostly played by immigrants. <laughs> we had one girl from Argentina and one was from Norway and we were talking to them about this experience of being like bullied for coming from another culture and they were like don't say no more we get it we understand they're like we've been through this like let's let's capture it yeah I would say it's a quite a unique road that you have taken with with this project and I am quite frankly interested in exploring more of this direction and looks like you would be interested in exploring this direction more if there were a possibility to do like a so-called a full-length film of this short film at some point. So that brings me to the question of the first script or the stuff that Mathilde initially wrote. Is that some kind of a structure that you would take on a possible full-length movie or or Ooh. something different perhaps? <laughs> and how are you envisioning maybe the supporting characters playing their roles in that? What What would be the things that you would concentrate on? Well, I'm not going to lie. I think the first script that I sent to Sam was a little bit crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was, I've seen were... crazy. That was not crazy. You're, you're, you're fine. <laughs> it, was, it was a good script. It was just a lot to shoot over the course of, like, yeah. two days. Because it I means, mean, I th- I, yeah, I think people, like, once you've, you've been on enough film sets, which I know you have, like, the amount of time it takes to, like, set up, light, film, reset, mm. set, like, each individual shot 
you you become like a little more attuned to the fact like okay we actually have a little less time than we think so let's make sure that we can we can get things that we're happy with and not have to compromise on like getting more coverage yeah yeah and i mean the the script i sent sam was a little bit like a thriller like a psychological thriller which you know our healing plan right now the short film is i'd say more of a drama it has like a few experimental aspects but i think if we went to make a a feature film length it would follow the tone that is in the short film right now uh, because for sure the first one that I did was very like it, it got creepy <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I don't know if Sam remembers it too well but I vividly remember writing it I mean I sent it to many people and they really liked it um, but it definitely was more of like the nightmarish vibes that I w- experienced as a kid and Although it is important to showcase some of those nightmares, I think Sam and I came up with a very good way to focus on the cultural identity part and on the the exploitation and and just the overall mental health aspects in a more personal way. I think you know people can connect better to the story and very and a feel for the character, whereas the initial script, I feel like there was a bigger separation between the viewer and and the film itself. I mean, I don't know, Sam, you might have a different opinion. <laughs> no, I, I thought the original was beautiful. I think for me, it was just more a question of like, okay, like what can we do with the, because we had, I, we had like, I think enough conservatively for like one location, a certain amount of actors, and like a certain amount of crew members. So I was just thinking like, what can we get with the resources that we have? That being said, like, I know you've teased a feature. You've been, you've been like dangling that over our heads for a little bit. If that were, (laughs) if that, (laughs) which excites me, um, if that were to be something that, um, that would manifest, I personally would be very interested in, um, and, and, and like leaning more into that because I think with the the beauty of a feature is you get to explore so many more different themes and concepts, Mm -hmm. whereas a short film does by nature of the medium, have to be, like, a little bit more condensed. So, is it okay to ask, uh, how closely does the film reflect the the real events that Mathilde has experienced? So, the current film, there were certain events. For example, there is a scene where Luna's being bullied and she gets... (laughs) I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but there's this character (laughs) that is mispronouncing... Luna's sister is mispronouncing this word, which was exactly like the same word that I mispronounced when I got to New York. And I mean, that scene happened literally perfectly, except that it was only one person. And at the moment, I didn't really take it in the wrong way. But I mean, it was like a constant thing where when I moved to New York, like, I mean, I kind of speak like an American now and... You know, mm. Portuguese people make fun that my accent is so American, but then Americans make fun when I say a wrong, <laughs> uh, a word kind of wrong. Um, but I'd say that overall, the film is a lot of fiction based, like a lot of the scenes were made up. It's, it's just the idea of the nightmares. And there's a few elements now and then that are real, but Sam and I really wanted to explore again what that idea of 
okay, Luna is now in an, like, you know, 2023, where there's social media and there's all of this. So, of course, the story can't really be the same. And, you know, I didn't have a celebrity psychologist. <laughs> um, sadly. <laughs> yeah, sadly. I didn't have sadly. that experience. Yeah, I, tr- I tried to make it as personal still as possible. But, I mean, I could tell you the smallest details, but it take a while for me to <laughs> go through that. I've been kind of thinking that could it be that uh, the US could be an especially problematic country as an experience to migrate there you know the english language uh, language dominance in the world yeah. to, to a point and then maybe the u.s not, not always being uh, uh well-traveled <laughs> let's say and there could be situations uh was the u.s particularly hard for you when you compare to the other countries that you lived in well so the thing with um the u.s and not being I think that what's what's really unfortunate, I think what a lot of people in European countries don't always get about the U.S. is that the people here have significantly less, um, you know, vacation days and paid mm. time off. So, which is so unfortunate because I, I think I think also another disadvantage is that in Europe, the countries are a lot more close together physically. So it's easier to be well-traveled in that regard. And, and I remember when I was, I had a study, I had a semester studying abroad in the UK and people were like, oh my God, I'm going to go to, I'm gonna take the train. I'm going to Switzerland and France this weekend. I was like, <laughs> yeah. it's awesome that we yeah. can, we can do that because if yeah. I'm here in the US, I'm like, I guess I'll take the train to Pennsylvania. Like, you know, and, and so, I, and then I think, so I think as a result, Americans have like less of an opportunity to explore and be exposed to other cultures, which I think does lead to sometimes just like a distrust of people who don't have the same experience and background as them like I remember um one of my earliest memories like of of childhood I remember like I I had like a little toy horse that was it said it was made in China and like this kid took it from me and he he broke it because he said he didn't like things that were from other countries like my parents (laughs) 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 I I know like it it really felt like something out of like an 80s film or something like very cliche and I I was just like well why don't you like my parents like they're you know they're great and he was like like I remember him just being like oh I don't I just don't trust things that aren't from here and um that was just a sentiment that I had like echoed a lot when I was at uh, when, when I was when I was doing like high school and middle school in the US and I, I don't know if that was your experience at all Matilde when you came here for college I I have to say first of all I'm European and I don't just take the train to Switzerland <laughs> you gotta just take the train to I Switzerland you gotta well, treat yourself <laughs> but anyways my experience moving it was very different because when I first moved I was four And that's when I went to Italy, and I don't really remember that experience all that well. Um, After Italy, I went to Barcelona, and I remember it it was a little difficult because I didn't really know either Italian or when I went to Barcelona, either Catalan or Spanish. But again, by that time, I was five, six years old. But when I really struggled and the movie depicts my moving actually from Barcelona to Lisbon back to where I was born. And I think when I went to Lisbon, that's when I really didn't feel at home again. Because 
as there was no social media, it's not like I stayed in touch with my friends from kindergarten. <laughs> like mm. Kids adapt really easily to languages. So when I went to Italy and Barcelona, I like immediately spoke Spanish and Italian, but then I kind of lost my Portuguese. So going back to Lisbon, like kids would make fun of how I spoke. And it, it was very hard, especially because of the language. When I started having these nightmares, I was about 11. I had been in Lisbon like for a few years then. But I, to this day, I don't think I can point a reason necessarily, but it had a lot to do with uh, my relationship with my mom. Like I, I feel like because I didn't have that many friends, like true friends, um, I just had this very, very strong bond with my mom. I would also help her take care of my little siblings. And, you know, my, my dad was always traveling for work, which I'm fortunate enough that now he's very present in my life. But back then he wasn't. So, you know, I, I started experiencing these nightmares out of like this feeling of isolation of I don't really have that many people. Like the only person that I can rely on is really my mom. And I would also see my mom stressed because, you know, she had four kids. And so I think a lot of that passed on to me. And I definitely struggled a lot in in that move. And then I moved to Madrid and that one was really tough. That one was right after I had these nightmares experiences and I was finally making some real friends. And um, when I moved to Madrid, again, I had forgotten all the Spanish. <laughs> and no. I, they put my parents put me into international school and I didn't know English either. <laughs> um, also, the nightmares came a lot because I went to a Catholic school and I have never heard anybody talk about any good experiences coming from that. I'm sorry if oh, really? <laughs> you're religious. <laughs> But, no, it, it never you know, helps. <laughs> I, I just had a horrible experience at that school. But I'm not going to lie. When I moved to the U.S., when I moved to New York, because I was 18, I think I was way better. Like, I was so well prepared because I had moved, like, five times before already. And, you know, it was to do something that I was actually very passionate about and... I already knew how to speak English and, you know, I just, it just felt way easier. Like, I don't know. I think moving when you're a teenager, which is, you know, what the film explores is the toughest part. I'm not saying yeah. that, you know, adults don't experience it as much, but I think teenagers struggle the most. Yeah. You're still figuring out like who you are at that age, I think. Yeah. And like, and especially like, so I will say like, in regards to growing up to the U.S., I think New York is a very, it's a very good place to live because there are so many different cultures here and there's like a space for, for all of them for the most part. Um, like it really, New York is the city where I felt like I could start engaging with my roots again as a Brazilian um, American person, mm. whereas that's not, it's not as encouraged, I think, unfortunately, in other parts of the U.S. There's less of a pressure and assimilation, I would say, in New York City. Um, just because it is such a large, um, you know, city with that does business with so many parts of the world. Um, we constantly have people coming in and out. And, you know, my, myself, like growing up, I the moving was tough. I moved less when I was a teen. I moved more when I was younger and in elementary school. And I remember um, 
not being able to actually having trouble like advancing um, in certain grades because I wasn't able to speak English as well as some of my peers. I was speaking Spanish and Portuguese. And at the time I lived in Florida and a lot of other kids could speak Spanish. So they I was able to get by a little bit with them. But then we moved to upstate New York uh, where there's like less of a Spanish speaking community. I remember feeling like totally stranded and just being like, oh, my God, like, what am I going to do now? Um, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny that in the previous episode <laughs> we were talking with Henrik about the assimilation. There was less trouble with the assimilation in in that episode. Well, last time it was a very different kind of assimilation, isn't that right, Henrik? Uh-huh. But assimilation, <laughs> as as also present in those films, it's always a problematic and always quite large and tricky subject. Yeah, that, w- that was the thing, movies, by the way. Mm. Mathilde, you mentioned that this film also serves as a cautionary tale, allowing the audience to learn from Luna's mother's mistake of trying to fix her rather than celebrating her immigrant identity and the strength mm-hmm. it brings. At the same time, for you, right, the mother has been kind of a best friend and an important support. How's the relationship to mom now? Where are we now? So me and my mom are really close. You know, the the real character is definitely not real. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, Luna's mom is not real. I think my mom was there and she was the one that, you know, figured out that I actually needed help because I used to hide it pretty well. I, I was in school and I, I mean, she was called to my middle school a lot because I was just like a rebel. <laughs> I think because I was suffering so much inside, I, I just like I would be a bitch. <laughs> mm. I would be so mean to like teach, but because they also like were very mean to me and they just like, mm. you know, I, I have a twin brother and he was very, I mean, he is still very, very smart. And my teachers would always compare me to him. Like, why are you not like him? And, you know, it, it was just like a lot of things. And my mom was the only one that saw that I was really going through something And she was the one that actually helped me get rid of these nightmares. Even when I didn't want to go to the psychiatrist, like she was there with me. She just helped me all the way through. And um, that's something that, of course, Luna's mom, like she's completely the opposite. But I think it's very interesting because Luna's mom cares a lot. And that's why she you know, puts her into the celebrity psychologist because she cares so much and she genuinely thinks that um, she's helping her by doing this. It's like, you know, those moms that are like, oh, I want to get the best treatment, the best thing from, I mean, that's, that mm-hmm. that is like most moms. And we really wanted to explore parents, uh, the same thing that Sam was saying, her parents, Uh, you know, maybe thought that by her speaking English at home, she would maybe adapt better. But it's like, what are the consequences of that? Parents are just trying yeah. to do their best and they're trying to do what what's they think is right. But in reality, it's we really have to think about, is this really helping me? Because society says that this is the best way or like, is this actually hurting my kid? And so we wanted to explore a different side from the real story with the mom. How do you perceive cross-country moving now? Can you see that it, this would be a kind of a nightmare all over again if you would change the country at this point? Um, no. Asking her this as she's about to move back to New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm about to move back to New York. 
So, um, I mean, I just, (laughs) I don't know. At this point, I really just want to explore and I kind of go where there's more opportunities. And I'm in New York right now. Like I came back to Spain temporarily because Mm. first of all, I I missed home, of course. Mm. Um, and I missed my family, but also, I think I, I'm going to New York, one, because of career rise, but then it's also nobody tells you when you moved to New York as a student that you only get one year of a visa of this like OPT. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But, you know, I don't have that much time left. And I think when you're an immigrant and you're an international student, it's like, I have to use my time wisely, like my visa time wisely. And that's what I really want to do. And like moving countries now doesn't scare me. I mean, I think if I was moving, I don't know, to Asia and to, you know, this Mm. country that I have absolutely no idea about, like don't know the language, even then I think I would be way more prepared but I think moving back to countries like New York, I mean, countries, cities, <laughs> sorry, mm. like cities like New York, it doesn't scare, scare me as much because, first of all, I've lived there, but also I know the language. But I must say that I am a little bit scared. Like, people think that I have it all together, but I really don't. I literally have, like, four different jobs all at once sometimes. Mm. And it scares me because this industry... It's not even just countries. I think it's the entertainment industry itself. And Sam Mm -hmm. can tell you this. Because when I met Sam, she was working at Nickelodeon. And, you know, she quit to do acting. uh, Sorry, (laughs) directing full time. I'm going to be in the Healing Men feature. That's been my long term plan. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Um, But, you know, Sam and I can tell you that this industry is just so unstable. And even just I can move to New York and still not be guaranteed because unless I sign a contract and even when I sign a contract, it's like it's so unstable. You Mm -hmm. never know what's going to happen. So it's really just risking it. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely... It's never something that's guaranteed depending on location. I mean, I think people always tell you like, oh, move to New York, move to L.A. But even then, I think if you, you know, if if you don't have like a community already sort Mm -hmm. of built in, it can be tricky to find those opportunities, which is why I'm I'm so grateful that I was able to connect with Matilde and able to help her share her story. Yeah, that's definitely an issue, the the whole, whole industry and just going from workplace to workplace within months or weeks or days i didn't feel personally that it i would like to have it as my work it was kind of draining and all those deadlines and i was basically at some point sleeping uh, at my workplace <laughs> 20 24 7 working on the project rise so. and grind yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> henry can you create stories well i i can have a whole bunch of stories i don't know if there are any of them are great well, I like the music video story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I think Sam and I were very fortunate on set. I mean, our set, first of all, we could get some sleep, even though there was one night Sam and I had to sleep in the same bed. <laughs> and oh, <they're>, yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, because we were, we were sleeping on location because we wanted to be like, 
the first ones there. Um, and and we, we had like a limited amount of bedrooms. So we had to, we had to double up. Um, yeah, there was a lot of people in the house. But I think it was honestly one of like the greatest sets we've both worked on. I mean, of course, it wasn't all perfect. But I think we we just found like everybody that we got for our crew like the whole interview process we just made sure that they they weren't just talented but that they cared about the story and that they would be people that we would genuinely want to even be friends with um because I I feel like that's the best way that you can work with people because you don't want to be on set and have like you know Mm. like something that you're passionate about just be like just a job i mean i think sam Mm. and i cared about it so much that we wanted people to be involved that also cared yeah 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 i would i would agree with that i think i think it's really important when you're bringing on a team to make sure that you have people who have the same like energy and investment towards the idea that you have and matilda's right i think we were extremely lucky with the people that we brought on for this film it was a really great team they created a super positive environment and you could just tell they cared about the idea from the way that they talked about it and the way that they mm. acted on set mm. to be a bit of a contrarian here uh Uh-oh. not to downplay the the quality and the greatness of your team but from my experience, the case is that if the set really is good, if it's really really nice set and everything works, that from my personal experience, that usually is largely thanks to the producer and the director who actually oh. at the end of the day create the atmosphere on the set. Yeah. Because I've worked with extremely talented, mm. uh, extremely capable people who are professionals on of their own fields, and they have been tearing each other apart. So that explains but, why my movie was so... Yeah, carry on. Yeah, but... And, and usually when that, when that happens, it's, it's not because the people wouldn't be professional or because they wouldn't be passionate about the product uh, production or anything like that. But usually it is because there is something amiss in the energy on mm-hmm. the set. And managing that energy is basically where the producer and the director really show their skills. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I disagree a little bit. I think, um, okay. I mean, it depends on how big the production is. Just because I have had, like, been on sets where I don't know the producer is not the best, but then I love the DP or I love the script supervisor, right. and I spend most of my time with them. Because, you know, depending on your function on set, uh, I mean, your position, you will spend more time with certain people. So everybody's experience on set is a little bit different. Um, For example, like on set, I absolutely love the makeup artist. But of course, the makeup artist wouldn't be spending time. Yeah, like they wouldn't be spending time with the DP. I don't know. So I think... It really depends on, like, if you're an actor, if you're on a crew member. It really depends. Um, and, I mean, our crew was pretty small in a way. It wasn't a huge production because if we're talking mm-hmm. about, like, big budget feature films, nobody really talks to each other. Like, you're there, you're on, like, your place, and the director doesn't even talk to actors many times. They just, like, tell them what to do, and, like, it's not like they're there with them, like what directors are taught in school it just like that's a whole other conversation because big budget 
films, it's not so much about the mission and the passion. Of course, the director needs to have that. But producers especially, it's a lot about the money. They just care about the money. And they're like, okay, let's get this done a certain way. So if it's the budget. And we were lucky enough that because we didn't have that Mm -hmm. pressure of, you know, it's all about just money, money, money. I think that's why we also created such a bond and such a great team. Um, And yeah, I think we were very lucky. I think there was definitely a benefit to there being a small team. We were able to, you know, very carefully select our collaborators. We had a lot of creative control over who was going to be ultimately working on the project. Um, And while I do think, I think there's something to what you're saying and that like, I think a really good producer can help avert tensions rising on a set, you know, can maybe pull people aside if it seems like they're not in a great headspace and just help them talk things out. But I, 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 I feel like you also still have to be so careful in who you choose as a collaborator because I've, I've definitely been on sets where, you know, you could tell like some of the department heads were just not listening to each other, were just not on the same page, had very different creative visions, or there's just one person who really saw it as more of their vehicle for whatever their path they felt their career should be going on. So they're less willing to collaborate and compromise because they're only there for them instead of being there for like the team. Um, and that's not really, as someone who, who has directed quite a bit the last couple of months, you have so much on your plate that it's very difficult to also mediate interpersonal conf- like conflicts while you're also like focusing on watching the monitor and talking to your actors and giving notes to the DP. And, mm. um, and to your point, Matilda, I think, I think one thing that I do really, I have really loved about being able to work on as many shorts as I have is that um, I, my favorite thing about directing will always be like talking and working on characters with actors. Like our rehearsal mm-hmm. process for Healing Plan was, I, I really enjoyed because I, I, we would just spend hours talking about Luna and where she was at creatively. And we had so many conversations with our actors, even before we cast them about how they felt with the character. I don't know how you feel about this, Matilda. I personally think like we could not have made better casting choices overall for everyone we brought on board the film, especially with Luna. I feel like the girl who played Luna was pretty, <laughs> I think she was pretty great in my opinion. Um, <laughs> I wonder what her name yeah, was. I think so too. <laughs> yeah, she was, she was cool. She was cool. I liked her. It may sound, sound kind of obvious, but uh, it, it's great that you guys are picking projects that you really want to do, that you really feel and maybe like a passion first. So mm-hmm. I think that's a great thing. I'm very lucky to have met Matilde when I did. I think like, I truly, I say this to so many people, I think Healing Plan truly did like change the course of my, of my life because I had been wanting to direct for so long and I've been wanting to do something like meaningful for so long and I just hadn't Mm. seen a script that I connected with or a concept that really resonated with me until I started speaking to Matilde and immediately she just had so much passion and she had such a clear voice Mm. and I just, I knew that this was something that I wanted to do. Anything, Samantha, that you want to talk about your projects from the past? I know that you've been working on uh, A Perfect Copy, which is kind of a sci-fi film. Anything about yes, that? Yes, uh, yes, and I just wrapped another... I, I do appear to be uh, in a bit of a sci-fi uh, <laughs> pattern. I, I just wrapped another sci-fi film called Voxish. My uh, Another friend and collaborator, Abigail Choya Rader, um, hired me to also co-write and direct this. Um, quite honestly, I do credit my experience with Healing Plan for, like, leading me to other opportunities and also just, like, teaching me 
how to collaborate because when you hmm. when you are directing a script that wasn't originally your own concept you know you always want to make sure that you're compromising and you're making the original writer feel heard and whatever changes have to be made for like the necessity of the set usually I think more often than not a lot of the, the adjustments that are made are for the sake of being able to capture what you need to in the amount of time that you have with the resources that you have but um, just learning to do it in a way where the person who brought you on still feels like their vision is being respected which I think unfortunately is something that doesn't happen a lot in the entertainment industry I feel like there's not always a lot of respect for for writers very sadly I think some people think that scripts write themselves which is not true I think as someone who also <laughs> is interested in writing myself I, I do think that like literally nothing happens without like a good script first and maybe a special a special shout out from my end already at this point for Wild Smith and perhaps like their collaboration between you all on on the DP so side of things so some great blocking shots and I I thought that everything worked on that, that front yes. so so definitely. Violet is a yes I definitely want to shout out Violet she's a phenomenal DP and such a wonderful uh, wonderful person just a great great woman in film um mm. and cannot say enough kind things about her she was an instrumental part of the the visual aspect of the film yeah violet was amazing yeah i do also want to shout out our gaffer jackson yeomans he he was a very big part in violet and my and matilde's vision particularly as it came mm-hmm. to lighting the film i think he did a beautiful job especially with the shot where um Luna is, uh, oh God, wait, no, I don't want to spoil the film. There, there's a really beautiful <laughs> shot where Luna is waking up. I think that's enough without spoiling. <laughs> and the way that he and Violet lit that space just takes my breath away every time I watch it. Right. Uh, we are kind of short on time, I believe, so I will just oh, shoot. skip <laughs> a bit of things. But something that I really want to still ask is uh, the the whole therapeutic aspect of the healing plan. Was, was it therapeutic? Was it meant to be? exactly therapeutic or just telling a story you've said that uh, trying to relieve the past experiences is the worst thing that an actor can do in your opinion was it painful mainly in the moment when you when you were shooting the film and doing the film putting it together or what are the key experiences that you take away from the experience i mean i personally think (laughs) that this film was at some points very stressful not therapeutic (laughs) because (laughs) from somebody who created it from scratch I think it's very stressful just like finding a team and I mean just finding Sam was like so stressful like I was desperate to you know find a director find people that like perhaps will like my story and like I was just so scared all the time that people wouldn't understand I mean and before I made this film nobody really knew about this story because I thought it sounded absolutely ridiculous to say that I had like a nightmare disorder where I experienced nightmares three times a night and I had to go to a psychiatrist and to me that was just embarrassing like I I wanted to I wrote this story and I wanted to put it out there but at the same time it was one of the scariest things I did and now I can thankfully talk about it very openly but um so that was very therapeutic that I just had to get out of my comfort zone and fully Mm. open myself to to the public and especially I think it was scary because uh, the I had to promote the story first to people that I knew 
um, because otherwise, I mean, that's how new filmmakers start, right? I mean, you kind of oh, like yeah. start with people that you know. And to me, that was even scarier because if I'm, I don't know, if I assumed if I was just putting it out to the public and like people would comment on it that I don't know about, it would be in a way a little bit less scary. It's like less personal because you don't know who yeah, it's people less are. Personal. So if they don't, if they don't like it, it doesn't really affect you because you're like, okay, well, I don't know any of these people. But if someone you do know doesn't quite resonate with it, then there's there's yeah. more of a, it, it just feels like more vulnerable. Yeah, for sure. And then I, I was just very fortunate. I think the time I really decided to make this film was when I met up with Yoni Azalai, our you know uh, um, executive producer. And uh, we worked with his production company, Bluestone Pictures, and I just pitched him the idea and I told him my story and he was like, that's fucking crazy. (laughs) And I was like, wait, really? You know, it was just a a very eye opening that it could actually happen. And, you know, he really helped me out. And Mike, his friend also really helped me out. And Zach, too. I mean, he just brought along two of his friends. He came from, like, a film festival, I think. I don't know. He came from this event. But when I said that thing of, I don't think actors should use their personal experiences, I mean, I think they should use their personal experiences. I think what you're talking about is from the interview where um, it was the bathtub scene. I, you know, the day on set, Mm -hmm. I was going through some personal things and you know before I shot that scene I was literally sobbing in the room next door and like when I got to the actual scene first of all the water was absolutely freezing and it was just like a little bit gross (laughs) (laughs) and you know I went from like sobbing to then like what I thought in that scene I needed to do was just like cry and like have this big outburst And, you know, I just felt numb when I got to that place. And I think, you know, I got to explore so much with that scene because it's like maybe she does feel numb because in a way that's what I felt in the moment. And that's that was my reality in a lot of the things that I lived. And it wasn't a a relief in a way finding and exploring all those things in the moment. But what I was saying with that comment is that I definitely don't think that actors should be like, okay, I need to cry in this scene. I'm just going to get a really bad memory right now, especially if it's recent. And what I was thinking about was actually pretty recent. So I was like, I definitely don't think actors should. And I mean, that's one of the things that you're taught in acting school is like, if the memory is too recent, just don't go there. (laughs) Yeah. Because, yeah, no. Don't like trigger yourself. Yeah. Looks like you also have a, some of the cast is, seems quite experienced. At least there are some smaller, maybe some bigger roles here and there. There's Bobby James Evers playing the doctor. Mm-hmm. He has been in Bobby. Law and Order. Uh, I'm not sure yeah. about yes, that. Yes, Bobby uh, is a treasure. The Blacklist too, yeah. yeah. Yes, he's, yeah, he was, I think he was just in the new uh, Law & Order reboot as well, um, the one with Christopher Maloney. He was, Bobby's been in another one of my films since then, and he was telling me about that experience. And he is, yeah, we were, our, our cast was very, we were very excited at, like, how professional, but also how, like, engaged and compassionate our cast was. And Ines Hoeseter Asserson, maybe I'm butchering this name, but has been in Scum. Yeah. yeah. She is lovely. <laughs> 
<laughs> guess we have to go to the quickies at this point. So just some rapid fire questions, which all, all usually turn into kind of a long ease, but let's see how this goes. Do you want to go, uh, maybe starting with Samantha, what worked in your film? If, if you can, you know, give yourself feedback. In Healing Plan? Yeah. So I would say the most important thing that worked with Healing Plan was, um, I think the attitude that Matilde had when she brought me on. She was very driven, very determined to make this correctly. She had a clear vision and a lot of passion. And I think that kept us moving forward through any hurdles or speed bumps that we would experience throughout pre-production. I think we also chose collaborators whose vision aesthetically, but also like their, their level of engagement matched our own, which created a really positive working environment on set. I think we chose actors who were not just good actors, but who also like bounced very well off of each other. Like, actually, I'm so happy to say two of our actors. I, I think I think you remember Matilda, Natalie, and Natalia. They're like best friends now. They do like everything yeah, together, they're best which which I think now. is I love <laughs> so that. Cute. I love that they met yeah, on our set. No, they're it's so, so cute. cute. It, they're genuinely so cute. And I, if you guys are listening, hi, love you. But um, <laughs> so that that I think worked well. And I think a lot of um, it's never talking about how like a lot of films tend to die in post production because it, it, it's not necessarily because of a lack of interest. But people people get busy, they get overwhelmed with other projects, and they simply forget to like keep moving forward through post because it's a little less glamorous than being on set. So we were, uh, I, I think we did a good job of staying on track and setting up and meeting deadlines for that um, while still not like losing our enthusiasm or burning out while we were Matilde had a I think got a full-time job at that point and I was already like juggling a couple <laughs> of other productions <laughs> I I want to say that I think we communicated really well like as Sam knows that I'm brutally honest <laughs> and I think that's literally what really worked. it's like if I had an issue I would just be very straightforward and I would tell her like listen this and that and Sam would be like all years and she would listen and like with the cast and crew was the same thing like guys this is what we want like very positive energy but at the same time just very honest and very straightforward just make things happen um and I think that really really helped us for sure what didn't work um, oh my god ooh, what didn't <laughs> I think I... it was perfect no I'm kidding <laughs> Um, um, what didn't work? Were there problems? I honestly, I think our wrap cake could have been a little bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there, like, I mean, Sam and I, it was, we're, we were just starting out when we made this film. And I think some technical things, like, I don't know, when we were in the post-production, like, editing room, there were certain things that we thought, oh, crap, maybe we should have shot this. I think because, like, we didn't have as much time on set, mm -hmm. like, there were certain things that maybe, like, like, ideas that we talked about when we were rehearsing that maybe we didn't explore as much on set. Um, yeah. But I think overall, like, we managed it pretty well. I, I would agree with that. I, I would definitely echo that, too. I think that there were definitely, and I, to Matilde's point, I think this is because this was our first, like, bigger, first indie short that we had both worked on. Um, and we were, you know, to we were also balancing, like, producing as well as, like, being, you creatively, like, being involved as an actor and me being the director. I think 
Um, there were a couple of things on set, like a couple more. I mean, I, I've never known a director to be like, I got every single shot I wanted and I do not, yeah. in fact, feel like I could have had more coverage. But I, there are definitely some things I wish I got more coverage of or some concepts that I wish like I'd captured a little differently visually. So I think that they would have cut a certain way in post. That being said, we had a phenomenal editing team and they were able to they were able to very beautifully like still capture the same intention without necessarily like the footage that we had wanted. Um, but that being said, like I think it's just something that you learn when you you move, like you work you work with other productions, you move on to other productions, you're like, okay, like I need to assume that I have less time than I'm actually gonna have and like prioritize like the shots that I really need to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And then we can do the fun stuff later. So do you have anything for our question of completing the sentence? You really know you're watching the healing plan. When? Um, when Dr. Gonzalez sends you a bill for his quick fix therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a great scene to add to the film. <laughs> yeah, just him Venmo requesting her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say like seeing Luna drowning. <laughs> Yes, we we did we did love the drowning scene. It's funny. I'd always wanted to do a water scene, and then you were like, you're like, oh, this bathtub scene in the film, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> There's yeah. just something about water that I find like so healing. I think it's very I I don't know. It's, it's very, just being in water. I think is very therapeutic. <laughs> Henrik, let's get to our views as well. Would you recommend Healing Plan? I. Would recommend the healing plan. Um, oh, you hesitated a... there. Oh my god. Oh my god. I know. I was. I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, seat. "Is was he like, gonna oh, say shoot. no?" <laughs> he was like, "Actually, I hate this film." The topic of the movie: immigration and assimilation into, and or integration into new cultures, into new nationality. It, it is something that it has always been, and it. Even today, is uh, extremely global and topical question. And as the global warming keeps on happening, it becomes even more and more important question. Like, how do different countries, how do we deal with the immigration question, and how do we make sure that that immigrants can actually fit into our societies? This, this is something that not just America, but Europe also, including Finland, has to tackle more and more as we go forward. And in that sense, and it's a question that in no way is it an easy one, because there's a lot that goes into the immigration question. There is a a kind of a put-on need for of an erasure of cultural identity that the nation you move into puts on to you. It demands that you have to let some something of your past identity go and turn into mm-hmm. American or a Finn or a French, what have you. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, while it is a battle of a personal person's right to an individual cultural identity and a freedom to express that identity freely, but it's also a battle of what actually the country you are immigrating into can demand from you? Can it demand that you learn learn its language, that you learn its laws, can you that you learn its how how the politics work? And uh, it's also a question of opportunities as as you 
try to go through the, immig- uh, the assimilation process. Because uh, jobs, opportunities, schooling, they can all be gathered, o- gathered away from you if you just don't make it. If you don't learn the language, some job opportunities will be cut, cut from you. Or schooling can be taken away from you. Or social security services can be limited from you simply because you don't know how the laws work and how to fill the forms. So it's a really complex, it's a really tricky question about individuals' rights and the rights and the po- rights of, of the said country and also your capabilities of actually becoming a member of nationality acts, be that American, French, Finn, what have you. And in that sense, A Healing Plan is a strong film about extremely topical issue. And like I said, like the question and the problems that we face when we think about the situation, about the topic of immigration, they are not going going to go away anytime soon. Mm. They are just becoming more and more extreme and more and more topical due to what, what's going on in the planet as a whole at the moment. And because of that, like immigration stories, they have always been important, but I do feel that they are becoming more and more important as we go on. And because of that, I would say that Healing Plan uh, is it, it's a film about really important topical question at the time that we are currently living in. Well, thank you. Thank you. For me, well, I haven't, uh, I haven't exactly shared the same uh, experiences that Luna or Mathilde probably have. I've been moving around around the world and to different countries, but that's been kind of later in my life. Well, there hasn't been anyone trying to. I haven't gone with with anyone or like my mom or my father. There hasn't been that kind of a pressure to move, switch countries. But definitely from my experiences abroad, I can I can relate to these kind of feelings. And I thought the topic, like Henrik said already, was was really interesting. It's not like it's the first film about these kind of uh, societal topics, but the way that it touches on the experiences of, of Luna as a result of trying to assimilate into the into the culture. I, th- I think those scenes where Luna is, is kind of fake smiling and trying to keep it together, I'd like to see something like that more where we kind of, yeah, we are more out in the open about these kind of um, issues. The aspect, aspect yeah. where healing plan perhaps differences itself from the other immigration stories is that usually the immigration story is a story about the individual conflicting with a nation like if you take for example the american tale the the old cartoon where the mouse moves to america it's mostly physical obstacles that the mouse has to face that uh, America has cats and and he gets uh, he loses his parents and gets lost in in a big city etc 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 but healing plan is a different kind of a film in the sense that it takes more closer look at the feelings uh, but, but the really negative feelings that the process of having to leave some parts of your past cultural identity behind you and trying forcibly embrace these new uh, the aspects of of a new nation kind of can inflict 
inside of you, like feelings of self-hatred and self-disgust. And those are, those are aspects and viewpoints in that I personally feel that we don't see in immigration stories that often. We usually only see like the, the everyday hurdles, hurdles, uh, difficulty to finding an apartment, difficulty to find uh, work, difficulty to find friends. But like like the the inner struggle is something that perhaps he yeah. has going for it that other stories don't. <clears throat> and I w- w- still maybe have to say that not only the concept of of healing plan or the ideas of healing plan, but healing plan as a whole, like a like an as an artistic package and how it's paced, executed. Uh, I think it's it's all all working together. And I would guess that Samantha and uh, Matilde would agree and would <laughs> recommend Healing Plan. Actually, hot take? No, of course, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Really gonna come in guns blazing. This, this is the prime time to say that I don't recommend my own. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't want anyone to... No, I I really... I think I said this in the in the last interview we did, but I, I would recommend this film to anyone who's ever felt um you know out of place in a new or unfamiliar setting um whether it's a it's a country that you've just moved to or a college where you're a new student or mm-hmm. maybe you've started like a, a job and you're like the fish out of water because you're the first like, like you're the most recent hire like i think anyone who's ever felt out of place and like they were struggling to adapt will see this film and will immediately connect to it mm-hmm yeah, I yeah. totally agree. It, it doesn't need to be people that are struggling with mental health. and Because sometimes it's like, okay, this is not happening to me right now, but maybe it's happening to my best friend or maybe it's mm-hmm. happening to my siblings. And, you know, everybody's going through something and and just really being empathetic and really knowing that there's people going through similar things. All right. All right. I guess we have to kind of hit the outro at this point. Is there any ongoing or upcoming projects that you want to talk about still quickly uh i mean my projects are a little bit of a secret so sam you go (laughs) oh gosh no mine oh mine are secrets too uh well i did i i did did just wrap i think i said this but i did just wrap on a a beautiful short film with my friend abigail choya raider called boxish Mm. uh this is a queer sci-fi horror film it's my first queer film which i'm i'm very excited about as a queer filmmaker myself Mm. um and yeah, I um, after that it looks like I, I may be directing a comedy, which is not not that I haven't loved this Matilde and all the other uh, psychological thriller sci-fi films I've done, but I think it'll be really nice to experiment with some lighter lighter material as well and see see how mm-hmm. that feels. <laughs> hey, sounds awesome. Uh, where can people find you or find Healing Plan? Well, we have a website called healingplanfilm.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram called Healing Plan Film. <laughs> um, yeah, and either on our website or Instagram, you can also find my contact and Sam's contacts. Right. On the website, yeah. Right, yeah. And um, I really hope, do hope that the film will get the exposure that it deserves and that we start seeing it out there. And hopefully some kind of a more public audience viewing is a possibility in some way so yeah thank you so much and thank you for pastel de nata i tried it and quite liked it you said <laughs> that every time you miss home you get a pastel de nata 
So yeah, I, that is very true. Aww. I actually need one right now. <laughs> if we do a screening, we should serve that, and we should um yeah we, we come will. back. We do a screening, we need to serve them. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was lovely. Thank you. Uh, like Cara said, thank you, thank you very much for you know giving us this opportunity to to have this moment with you. Uh, thank you for inviting us on. This was a great conversation. Well, I'm I'm happy to to hear it because you always, as a, as an interviewer, you mm. always fear that the experience is not too harrowing or too too negative. Only too... slightly harrowing, just just like ten percent. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, we try to aim at least 30%. <laughs> ah, uh, try harder next time. <laughs> but but I, I, I do sincerely hope that at some point that the plans for a feature actually come. Oh, me too. Around. It would oh, be yes. so lovely. We like, will make it happen, to... Sam. Yes, I'd love to work with you again in general. And I think just to revisit the characters as well with you would be so interesting. Yes, we should definitely make that happen. Yay. Yeah. Oh, one question. How did you find us or why did you pick us? Oh, yeah. Any speci- specific reason? or? It's Well, actually, our amazing marketing team found you, but it's also because you are you have a very international uh, perspective as well. And we obviously love it. And, you know, it, it feels like you really delve into, like, you don't just ask basic questions. Let me just say that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, it was honestly lovely, lovely to talk to you guys.